friends. My wonderful friend, Emily Coleman, joins me to talk a little bit about our experience as college athletes and share some memories from our time together at St. Leo University in Florida. We talk a little bit about mom life, health, fitness, and Emily shares her experience with finding out she has an autoimmune disease and how it has impacted her over the last 10 months. We had so much fun catching up. Enjoy. Oh, hey, girl. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I miss your face and your voice and all things, Emily. I know. It's been way too long, like literally too long. I know. I know that we all keep talking about trying to plan like a trip with all of our teammates somewhere. And I think we've had this conversation every like two years with a group of us and it still never happens. It's depressing. I know. But I think now we're probably, this is probably a good time now because I don't know if you guys want more kids, but I think like some of us are pretty done with children and that's, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm done with that <laughs> moving forward. Um, so it's probably a good time to start really planning something. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to send this episode to everybody and say, okay, we're calling all of you out. Where are we going? <laughs> Where are we meeting? Right. So I want to share a little bit about the experience of being a college athlete and not only how it impacted us as athletes, but how it impacts the relationships we have. Um, something that came up on uh, uh, another episode with a friend of mine was, I feel like teammates are the friends that have the most reasonable expectations of each other. And what I mean by that is we can go a really long time. You and I um, specifically go a long time without necessarily chatting. And I never feel like we each are um, holding that against one another. But when we do get to meet up like this and chit chat, it feels like no time has gone by. And I think that's something very unique to college teammates. It could be, I could be totally off. I only have this experience, I guess, to share. But with my college teammates, that group of girls that we played with, I feel like I all have the same relationship where we check in with each other. We'd be there in a heartbeat if we needed each other, but we also aren't sitting here, you know, constantly holding the other person or each other to a high expectation that's just not attainable when we have other lives. So Emily and I went to St. Leo University in Florida. It's like 45 minutes north of Tampa, I think, right? Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Um, and we played volleyball together. Uh, Emily was a sophomore when I came in as a freshman. And I I don't know that I would describe, and I'm going to ask you this. I don't know that I would describe us as close from the beginning. I agree. I think it happened like your junior year and senior year. Yeah, definitely. Sophomore year was like a really weird time for me. I don't, I remember I like moved out from like living with Sarah and Audrey and Brittany. It was, it was just weird. And I feel like I like lost connections, but then like gained them like junior year, like kind of came full circle. If that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like there was just a lot of transition between like my freshman year, even going to your your senior year, my junior year, about 
the different, I don't want to say like circles, but because I think we all were pretty close. Like we took care of each other. We all spent time together, but there was always those pockets of teammates that were just naturally going to be a little bit closer. And I feel like really it was, um, you know, your, your junior year and definitely senior year that we were closest. And I also think that those are the years, interestingly enough, that we as a team saw more success, which I don't know if that correlates, but as our team got better and we were more successful, our team as outside of volleyball, we're so much closer. Wow. At least I think. Yeah, I agree. I I don't like want to say it was like trauma bonding, but like that's kind of what it was. <laughs> I feel like in a way, like we yeah, we got closer and it's, I know trauma is not a good word, but like we were in the thick of things together and we got more serious, I think, as our team and as coaching, you know, coaches changed from our, I guess my junior year, your sophomore. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a new coach for you sophomore year, but then it was another new coach, junior and senior, and then adding, you know, female coach in too. It was, yeah, it was kind of like we just started to have more of a common goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I agree. I think it brought us a lot closer as the years went on in the season. Yeah. And I just, I think that just impacts the longevity of a relationship in general. When you go through an experience like that, that not everybody gets to do. I mean, you have to think about how many people play sports in high school or club that don't get to play in college. And we had that opportunity to do that. And it's unique for the school you go to. It's unique for each team. And when I say each team, I'm talking about each season, right? Because you're adding people, people are leaving. And it's sometimes really hard to explain to people the type of connection you have with your teammates because you have cried a lot, thrown up a lot, both from sports and from alcohol, but (laughs) you have these different experiences. You get in trouble together. You take accountability for one another. You sometimes lie for each other in ways to protect the other person. Um, And as you, you, as I've gotten older, I realized that there's not a whole lot of relationships that have come and gone that um, have that same deep rooted emotional connection for that reason. I think that's unique to sports. I think. No, I agree. I say this all the time, um, to my girls now because I coach high school. I don't, I don't know if you knew that, but I coach high school and I've been doing that now for two years. And I tell them all the time, whether you love them or hate them, these relationships, and not that we ever hated each other, these relationships, like you said, are, are deep rooted. There mm-hmm. is a bond that you are truly going through and you learn how to have each other's backs. You learn how to fight for one another. Um, and I think it's an incredible opportunity and incredible experience because you, you almost have this forced friendship that you don't realize, but you all have this commonality. And then when you grow up, And you realize, and I think this is why it's harder, this is what I believe, it's harder as we get older to make friends because as athletes, we have forced friends. And the people that were my friends, I mean, we'll have, you know, like you said, you have pockets of friends here and there. I have a couple, and I know you have a few in your life that you have stayed close with, but 
I guarantee 90% of your friends at some point, the deepest ones, like you said, are the athletes, the people that you spent every single day with sweating, wearing our spandex, like going to the training room and all those things. And I I agree. I think it's because it's, I think we don't know how to make friendships. And I don't say that in a way that sounds like, oh, poor us. We just, we know how to make friendships within our circle and what our commonality is and our common interest and our desire to win or desire to play the most or desire to beat that person out. That's where what we have in common versus somebody who has no idea who's never played a sport or anything in their lives to build that relationship is just very difficult. I feel as I've seen, as I've gotten older, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, people talk about it all the time, like surround yourself with people who are going to push you, lift you up, all of these things. And I have some amazing friends, but when you're doing something together that you both, that is important to both of you or many of you, and you're working together, it's a very particular experience. I mean, one of my my longest and my best friend, Whitney, we both don't play sports now, but we met when we were 12 playing volleyball in club and then played through high school. And so that type of experience set a foundation for our relationship, but obviously has not been the only connector. And, you know, I'm, um, I'm an F45 member and I take that, those classes very seriously. Meaning when I show up, I show up with as much of myself for not only what I'm trying to accomplish for myself, but the energy in the room of the class of the other people to push those people. They push me. It's kind of that same energy you get from a teammate. And I realized that so many years of having just like a personal trainer or even doing like the Peloton F45 has kind of brought me back to life. And I've met people and created relationships where, you know, maybe we're not necessarily hanging out on the weekends, but we're messaging and lifting each other up anytime you know, we're posting on Instagram about something we accomplished or, you know, a new record that we set for ourselves through F45. And we have this group of people who are just cheering you on. And I, I, I really do understand that now more than anything, having joined back into these classes where you have this community of people who have a common goal, which kind mm-hmm. of like you said, and I really do believe that strengthens relationship, whatever it is. Now we're talking volleyball, physical, it could be something totally different. It could be whatever your hobby is that you enjoy to do. You have a group of people that are working together to do it or want to do it on a regular basis. There is that that specific common connection that I think makes relationships lasting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I was a part of Burn Boot Camp and which is very similar. We have an F45 here. Um, we just actually got one in Wilmington, but it I was the same thing. And it, yeah, like I realized when it came to my physical health and my, and my mental health, I, I needed a coach. I needed somebody pushing me and cheering me on. And I, and I needed somebody to hold me accountable for things because whether it's just because I've done it, my I've had somebody hold me accountable 
physically, not necessarily mentally or emotionally held myself accountable, right? Like we, as athletes, we, when you get to that level that we got to, we did, it's, it's physical, but it's also a mental, like we were mentally stronger than other athletes. That's why we were better. And, but at some point you still need a coach, even the best players in the world or the best, best artists or musicians or whatever, they still have a coach. They still have a mentor and they have somebody pushing them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I agree. I think that, yeah, that's something um, that I needed too. And I, I found in that, but I, I, I use Peloton now because I have to, I, I do have to do things from home. I, I don't have too many kids to, <laughs> to leave the house. No, I, I mean, I get it. And that kind of takes me to another conversation that I think is an important highlight, at least from my experience which is that having spent so many years constantly competing at a high level, but also focused on winning. I mean, that that really was the outcome. We weren't just playing for participation trophies, right? We were focused on winning, especially once you get to the college level. That is, that's, that's all you're there for at the end of the day, to be honest. Um, that once that was gone and I never really played volleyball after college, couple, you know, beach tournaments randomly here and there. And then it just kind of phased out of my life. And I realized that I was approaching everything else in my life with the need to win and compete. This had to do with when I went to law school, it was like, okay, I get through law school and kind of the championship is the bar exam, right? took the bar exam, passed that. So I win, right? Check. And then I started my career and then I wanted more. It wasn't, I wasn't feeling that validation or that sense of accomplishment. So I opened my own law firm and now we're five years in and we're very successful. So check, right? And then it's like, well, what's next? What's next for me? And I'm constantly chasing that. And I think that's a competitor's mindset. And so now I'm kind of doing it in multiple different ways, right? Where I'm not just working out at the gym to be strong and healthy, which is a substantial part of the reason I do that. But now I'm seeing it bleed into that competitive mindset. And I'm trying to balance, you know, not making it this obsessive addiction for me, but making it about when I show up, I'm going to work as hard as I can and do put up the best numbers I possibly can because it makes me feel kind of that tingling sensation that you get right before the first serve of a game. Um, That is, again, I think very unique where you can't describe it in any other way. I'm even now I'm trying to come up with the right words to express at least how it makes me feel. And that came to me kind of the other day where I was like, no, there's that moment right before the first serve of the game when you're ready for the next hour and a half, two hours of play that you just can't get anywhere else. Yeah. It's like a sense of electricity. I remember with volleyball, like I literally, when you started talking about it, I'm literally getting chills. And I honestly could think about when we played Tampa at our place. I don't know why that Tampa game and the whiteout and just having all the fans and, and it's just an electricity that I feel like is there. I remember when I played basketball, I used to almost like have to go pee every time. (laughs) It was such mm-hmm. a weird, it's just a nervous, excited energy. 
So yeah, so I 100% know what you mean when it comes and you almost you can't bottle it up. You can't replicate it. You just know it. And I think it's not just sports. I think like you said, anything comparison to a competitive mind and wanting to work really hard towards your goals, whether so if you are a musician or you you have a showcase for art and you you've built it's a build up. I think that that tension that's been building in a good way towards your end goal, whatever that is. Yeah. And I get a similar feeling. It's not the same as much as I really love my job, but I get a similar kind of, um, it's like good nervous energy right before an important trial or a hearing that I know I am prepared for and ready to go. I have a good case. The, the research is supporting me. I know the research and the law is on point. There's a similar, it's, but it's never going to be that same level. And it's, I would assume, similar to forms of addiction. I'm not going to compare it because I understand it's not the same, but I would assume it's that same kind of chase, the chase to have that feeling. And I think as adults, we're still looking for that. And when you go long periods of time without getting close to it, I realized that I was not feeling necessarily depressed, but I was missing something. I felt heavy. I I was kind of just going through the motions saying like, this isn't quite working for me. And once I found a way to kind of reignite that fire for me, which included F45, it also includes this podcast, which I am just finding to be such a great way for me to do all the things I love, right? I love talking. Um, while I don't always love the sound of my own voice, I do love talking. And I love hearing from others, learning from others and sharing information that I've been able to um, kind of acquire from my job and the, my life experiences. And it's giving me a little bit of that life back, right? And it's never going to be the same, but if you can find it in small doses and remember that it's you don't have to stop being a student of kind of life and try new things. And you, and I just realized that I was sitting back, not trying things because I didn't quite know the result. And now that I'm going out of my comfort zone, I'm going, yes, I just needed to challenge myself what that looked like. I didn't know. Um, and so it's just interesting. And I think it's, especially as we get older, we're moms, we're working. It seems like those things are less important. Like, oh, I don't need to do a podcast. I don't need to do these things. But should that keep us from doing it, right? Yeah. And especially when you're you're busy and you're working and you're doing all the things in the comment I get all the time, especially having so many children and then doing all the things that we do and you you get it I mean you'll get it even with one child like because you are dipping your toes in so many things that I don't know how you do it I don't know how you do it well you do it because you want to and you do it because not that you have to but you feel this pull like you say you I feel this pull to do all these things like I'm going back to school because I feel this pull to learn I feel this pull mm -hmm. that I need to be doing these things I need to be working out. I need to be doing these things because I want to. I need to be taking my kids here because I want to. It's that pool kind of in the same way that we felt, maybe we felt with sports of just that pool to, to, to work a little harder or 
to be a little bit more successful or, or whatever that looked like. But yeah, I agree. So what is one memory of from college of you and I that you think about now from time to time? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know why. It's not even really a memory of me. It's not, I mean, I was there, but I remember, I don't know why this one jumped out at me. <laughs> when you got a margarita mixer for a holiday, I don't know why that's the one that came to me that I think about. I think honestly, when I see an official Margaritaville, because it was like an official one, right? Was it like a legit I margarita? think so. Yeah. You got it. You got it from an ex, right? Was it a gift? Was that right? Oh yes. It was a it was an anniversary gift. But it was also really awesome. It was so awesome. But I just remember like you being so upset about it. Like, why the heck did you buy me a margarita? Is this a blender Is this for my anniversary? Blender? I don't know the why. That was there. The it was so was there. there. But I just, I remember, I don't know. I just, I remember being in your Jeep and I remember driving around and us listening to music and we're driving our little, around our little podunk town. And I remember, gosh, there's just like a flood now. There's just a flood of memories. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went to Vegas for your birthday and I just, just being on the bus and like, Gasparilla like there's just so many I mean I can't now that now that you've opened that up and it's just like flooding I mean we just we had such an, a different I mean I say we not just you and I but just I think what made other people like people would probably look at our experience at St. Leo and be like I would never go to a school that small and when people probably and you I know you have some friends that have gone to bigger schools and they probably talk about the house parties or all of these things and they were doing all these things and we're like we're just hopping from dorm to dorm you know we're going from apartment to apartment but I think that was what made it so special like and also the group of just the girls and the guys and we were together and we were together all the time and all the little memories and nuggets of things that we got to experience together even if it really wasn't that much like I look back and or like my my husband Casey will be like oh why didn't you guys go here? And I'm like, I don't know. We were only a couple hours. Like, why didn't we go to the Keys? Why didn't we go to Miami? Why didn't we go to these places? We were not that far. We just stayed in our bubble of Leo and which is not a bad thing. Like I don't look back and regret. There's certain things I regret, but um, <laughs> that's for another time. But yeah, there are this just, I just, we had just, we just got to, enjoy being I think our age and enjoying that time together is really just the the memories I think of now yeah it's you again it's kind of like you can't describe it if you weren't there I mean even when I say like from running down the hall from one of our apartments to the other like people just don't understand that like everybody lived on campus and we had on-campus apartments and pretty much everybody lived on campus and when you didn't it was an inconvenience right every once in a while we'd go to people that had houses off campus but it was like them someone has to drive like I don't want to do that I just get to hang out here and drink and you know we'd go out in Tampa and 
make nights out of it. But for me, the majority of the memories were in those apartments and running from apartment to apartment. And um, it, it really, now I'm talking separately from the volleyball experiences. Obviously we had a lot that were amazing and fun and, you know, being on the bus, the late hours, trying to sleep, but never sleeping. And then rushing home from our faraway games to get home at 11 PM, just to shower and try to go out for a couple hours. Like all of those things were fun, but because we went to such a small school and everybody was always together, I don't know. I just had the best time in college. I really can't look back and say, oh, I wish I went to a bigger school or I, there's, I don't think there's anything that would have given us the experience that we got there in a million years. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think if I didn't play sports, maybe sure. I mean, for the mm-hmm. football aspect, just because I'm a huge football fan and I know you love football. Like I think, and once again, it comes back to sports of that's important to us in our lives and that's the draw for us. And I think, yeah, if I wouldn't have, I probably, I don't know if I would have ever joined a sorority, but like, and maybe that's the mm-hmm. force friendship. You don't know, but, but yeah, I'm with you. Like just us just literally hanging out or we throw like things out the windows at each other like from down you know we'd see somebody and we throw a water balloon at them or something you know just the little little things that I agree I don't think that had we gone to a bigger school we wouldn't have known everyone and everyone knew who we were not like a in an arrogant narcissistic way but like in a family community yeah we were a family yeah absolutely so when you were talking about throwing things out the window it reminded me and I'm gonna call her out and of the one person who I felt like always had to call somebody to be let into the building because she forgot her key card couldn't find it and often it was two three four in the morning and that's Brittany Fuhr yeah I don't know how many times I had to let her in the building because she forgot her key card but that is something I always think about when I when I'm thinking about the apartments is why that girl could not remember or find her freaking key card. No. And I want to say she had like if I remember Britt's keys correctly, I feel like she even had it like you know nowadays like we all have our keys attached with like our cards right on there like it's just so easy cuz we don't Yeah. We do but I feel like she was like the innovator. Like she had that way before us. You know what I mean? I feel like she was the one, like she had the, the cooler phone and and that was just, I remember, I feel like I remember her having those, but I agree. She never could find it. I don't know. I'm going to have to message her this later. Cause I'm like yeah. that. I will. I just from so many times her phone, my phone ringing up with her name and it's like, oh, this bitch is locked out <laughs> again. That's somebody's apartment. She went somewhere. She stayed somewhere. And now she wants just to be let back coming in. home. Um, okay. I'm going to shift a little bit away from our catch up sesh, even though I feel like we could do this all day long, but, um, you have been sharing pretty openly via social media about this kind of, I want to say eight, 10 month journey that you've been on, um, and kind of a discovery of some health issues that you've been going through. And so I would love if you would share a little bit of background about what's been going on and what you've discovered and, um, how you're doing now. Yeah. Um, 
so I kind of have to start at the beginning sort of, which starts with really our, my fertility journey and that I, um, went through fertility issues. I have endometriosis and that was, it took us five years to have our first child. And, um, but I still didn't really know anything was going on. Like I don't, and I still kind of to this day in that capacity, I don't know if they're correlated and I probably should do more research about that, but had a child, had Knox and then had the twins, got pregnant with the twins eight months later. And then had tuck (laughs) two and a half years later so we had so at that point I was just the heaviest I had ever been and just feeling you know physically not myself and I think this comes back to kind of this aspect of being an athlete and I had been working out like crazy I had joined that gym I had mentioned burn boot camp I was doing so many things that I thought were the right things. I was cutting out alcohol. I was cutting out dairy. I was cutting out all these things. Um, And I was sleeping horribly and gaining weight, like, like heavier than I had been being pregnant with twins. Um, And I'm six two. I'm very tall. So I'm going to weigh more like that's just life. Um, And so I was just super lethargic. My skin was just out of whack, like everything. Like I was losing hair and all these things. And I was like, this just, to be honest, this just sucks. I don't know what's going on. Um, And so I have a really great primary PA that I'd go see. And actually she just left for, she went to stay home with her kids, which stinks for me, but is awesome for her. And she was just a big advocate for, I was like, I don't feel, I don't feel good. Like, I don't feel myself what's going on. Um, And so she tested all, did some blood work um, and everything kind of came back normal. Um, I was like, this sucks. Like what's going on? And she kind of suggested, well, let's do another test. And they tested my thyroid antibodies, which it's basically like, if you don't know what it is, it's where your thyroid could lead to thyroid issues. Your there's antibodies in your basically attacking your thyroid and mine were elevated super high. Um, and then kind of from there, they, she, she recommended me to an endocrinologist, um, who, ran the test and did more blood work. And at that point, my thyroid was okay. It was like pretty, it was pretty normal, but they, um, he's like, let's reevaluate in six months. And so honestly, that, that endocrinologist didn't do anything for me. Um, and so I had to do a lot of research on my own. Um, and at the same time had started a weight loss medicine And along with figuring out, just doing some more holistic research of what works for Hashimoto's, what works for thyroid and just kind of trial and error. And I cut out, um, and for me, I cut out gluten. I have really minimized my alcohol intake, um, and reevaluated my workouts. So when normally I would go like, I'm going to do cardio for an hour, it wasn't benefiting my body. And I was doing primarily cardio 
and not a lot of strength training. And so just really reevaluating um, kind of where I needed to be and getting my levels under control um, and losing almost 60 pounds has everything's kind of balanced out. So that's kind of long story short and, you know, ask away. Um, I'm sure that I've left stuff out. Um, but that's kind of where we are now. Like I, I have done actually a lot of research on my own because my doctor really didn't do, unfortunately, a lot to help me. I have used social media a lot to try to figure out what works and everyone's different. So you kind of have to do your own trial and error to figure out what is helping or hurting in a way. Wow. Yeah. And I can imagine that similar thoughts, at least as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, it's harder for me to change my body in ways that maybe I want to, right? Um, For whatever goals I have at the time. But it can be confusing and trying to understand like, okay, I understand my body's going to change and maybe things are going to be harder, but this is not adding up. Um, And trying to find the answers when you have you know, doctors that aren't necessarily helping and giving you the right answers, but then it seems like you were at least able to get a diagnosis so that you could investigate that further to try to figure out what steps you need to take to feel the way you wanted to feel, right? Regardless of what that meant. Um, But when you're not happy in the way that you feel, and then you're you're battling against that to reach certain goals for yourself. So you can feel the way you want to feel and not not having the answers. I can just imagine that being really frustrating. Yeah. It's just, and I think too, it, it's just comes back to our, I think our mindset of why am I working so hard and seeing no progress? Right. And that's whether you're an athlete or not, like you work really hard for something, you know, I'm killing myself in the gym. I'm cutting out all these things that I enjoy um, food wise, and you're not telling me it's, you know, cause I think it's one thing it's eat. It's not, it's never easy to cut things out of your life. Right. And especially not easy to cut out fast food or junk food or whatever. It tastes good. Right. That's why we eat it. Like there's sugar and we do that. But I think at the time before I was diagnosed, I was like, well, no one's telling me I have a gluten intolerance or no one's telling me that I have a dairy intolerance. Like, so I'm just going to minimize it. I'm not going to cut it out because it's harder for me to cut it out. And then when I realized how much it was affecting and it could elevate my thyroid, which could lead to thyroid cancer and other things like completely shut down my body. I was like, Oh, I've got to change something. Um, and that has helped tremendously with just the way, like you said, the way I feel, and yes, the number's great. Like, I'm not going to lie as a woman, like being a smaller number. But I think now I'm to the point of, I just feel better. I have more energy for my kids. I've added some more supplements to kind of balance my cortisol levels and things like that. And I just, I feel better. I have the energy to do things and enjoy my life. I mean, and I, I mean, I still go to, I go to bed at like nine o'clock, but I get night, good night's sleep and I feel rested in the morning, which is good. Going through this process, what have you learned that you think your experience can um, provide at least helpful information for other people who might 
be struggling and want to try to figure out if there is something else that they should be looking at, or it could be totally different, right? Everybody's bodies are so um, unique and what impacts them might not impact somebody else. Is there anything general that you learned that you wish or would hope other people could at least take away from your experience of at least trying to get these answers? Yeah, I think that finding someone who's in your corner in term and finding the right questions to ask, a lot of times I didn't even know the questions to ask because I didn't have anyone in my family. Um, And so I think finding people in your corner to help ask those questions when I went to the doctor was really helpful. Um, But I think also finding out like ask. So, so in terms of that, like an extension of that, asking what else can be. So for me, I had no idea about the thyroid antibodies. I just assumed when they tested my thyroid and everything was normal, you're, you know, when your blood work comes back normal, your potassium levels, all everything comes back normal. And you're like, well, then what is going, like you said, what is going on? Why don't I feel well? Ask, is there anything else I can do? Is there any other ways? Um, Looking and the kind of the second thing would be just you hear it all the time about gluten. And I don't know the science behind, honestly, I don't know the science. So I, I can't really, I, I know it enough, but the inflammation that's going on in your body, like really take a look at that, the gluten, not so much like wheat and, you know, things like that, or like white potatoes or what things like that. It's like the gluten, just the artificial aspect of it all is very impactful on your body. And that's where I noticed just a huge impact. So I would definitely take, I'm not saying cut out because I'm not a doctor or a medical professional. And you always want to, you know, reach out to your medical people that you trust. And that's why I say number one would be to find your circle of people that are supportive, whether that's, you know, a traditional Western medicine or more holistic people, because there's so many people out there. Um, but look at what you're putting in, in terms of gluten, in terms of the dyes, we've tried to really evaluate those things in our house. So those are the two things I would say, if you could just, just take a look because they, they don't always come forth with the answers and not to bash doctors or to say anything, but you also, if you go to a big doctor, you're just unfortunately kind of a number. And so you have to find someone where you can build that relationship with And it's nice having, honestly, it's nice having friends who are nurses because then I call them, even if they're like a dermatology nurse, I'm like, what does this mean? What does this look like? Like, what's going on? What should I ask? So those two big things, I think gluten and figuring out what your body is sensitive to, because sometimes what I've learned is cutting out gluten for some people is not good. Like they need it or vice versa, like meat or dairy or whatever. Like you have to figure out, like you said, what's going to work best for your body. And keeping kind of a log of stuff. I've had to do that as well. I forgot that's kind of like the third thing. Keep a log of my food. And how does my body react to it? That's kind of really helped. I feel like I'm pretty lucky. I can kind of eat whatever I want. And it doesn't impact me substantially one way or the other. I do eat pretty healthy. Um, I'm a vegetarian. I was vegan for a period of time. I was going to ask you if you're still vegan. Yeah. I shifted away from vegan when I got pregnant because I 
that was a situation in which I was feeling weak. I was not feeling strong. I was not getting enough. Um, and that was a decision I made for myself. And we're still kind of in that phase because now I have a 19 month old and now I'm learning how difficult it, not impossible, just difficult. Cause I know people do it to raise a 19 month old vegan. Um, but when I was vegan, my body didn't, I didn't need the dairy and I felt great. Um, and right now I'm, I, I, I'm kind of the same as you. I really don't drink that much anymore. It's usually if there's a special event and it's a nice glass of wine or a really good cocktail, I'm not just drinking a drink, which makes me feel great. I don't want to be hungover. I've done that enough in my life. It is not worth it. And I also know when I eat stuff that's not healthy, I feel shitty. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I'm feeling sick. What you eat impacts so many things. And um, I actually, uh, Michelle Pettengill, who was on an episode earlier this week, she actually focuses part of her practice on nutrition for mental health and how what you eat can impact the, like your mental health generally that can also impact the, um, physical. And we talked about that a little bit. And I was like, I, I know like not drinking for extended periods of time. I do sleep better. And I also just enjoy my Sundays more, right? Because you're not waking up, skipping workouts and just eating crappy because you feel crappy and then continuing the pattern. But so I I definitely agree that if there's anything we can learn from how food impacts our body is just take a moment, maybe a month to track what you eat, not to count calories or whatever it is, but to journal how it makes you feel because having done that because I wanted to know if the food was really doing anything for me and luckily for me I wasn't noticing a substantial pattern except for when I was hungover right so I'm like okay just don't get hungover and you can avoid that uh, feeling that way Uh, but that's just me that's what I was like okay that I'm lucky I don't it doesn't impact me at least in a way that I'm noticing right? right and overall like I'm pretty healthy but um, is it, it's information. You're empowering yourself with information about how to live your life. And if that could improve the way you live your life, don't you want to know it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy a good cocktail, like you said, and a time out with some girlfriends and doing those things. And I was kind of the same way with the diet is like, I didn't notice like an immediate thing. It were certain things. And then I started to just minimize them. Just, I really was like, Ooh, when I would bring it back in, I'm like, Ugh, Ugh. Now when I do have gluten, there's times like, I mean, I was going hardcore for probably about six months. I had found gluten-free breads and things that I really liked. And I was like, I, like, I haven't had beer in eight months. I haven't had any beer whatsoever. Um, which, you know, I mean, there's nothing better. I feel like than a just a nice, cool, crisp beer on like a summer day at the pool or something or the beach. But I, I just I noticed now, like if I had like we went a couple weeks ago to and this like really great food truck was there and they didn't have gluten free buns for a burger, but the burger was so worth it. And I mean, the next day I just felt like bleh, I just my stomach was upset. You know, it's just like, Mm, just my body was like, eh, it's not great, but the burger was phenomenal. So (laughs) it was kind of worth it. But yeah, you just have to figure out what works for you. 
and how you feel and, and really, and I would not do it all at once. Like, I don't know if you've heard this, Chelsea, it's like, you can't cut, like, I feel like, because I think for me, it wasn't manageable. Like I'm cutting out dairy, I'm cutting out this, I'm cutting out that, I'm cutting out all these things. And it's like, well, then what can I eat? And I think something that's not talked about enough is the food noise. And I heard this when I started the weight loss medicine I was on. When we are on diets or we are trying to watch what we're eating, we are constantly thinking about food. I know I was. And positive and negative, right? You're you're trying to watch what you eat. And like back in the day when we're like, I'm only going to eat a thousand calories a day because that is not healthy at all. Um, we're thinking about, okay, this is this many calories or this is this many. And now, and then it's like, okay, well, I can't have this. Um, I'm going to eat really healthy. I'm going to have a salad for lunch. And you, then you're thinking about it. Right. Or even when you, I felt like when I was tracking my protein and my macros, which is very healthy. I'm still constantly thinking about it. And I don't want to be thinking about all the time. And I think as a parent and as a mom, when we already have so many things to think about, the last thing I want to think about is is a constant thing that I'm going to have to make also multiple meals for my family and me because I can't eat. And there is certain things I can't eat and they eat and that's fine. But I just don't, I don't want to think about food constantly because I felt like it did the reverse effect for me. Even when I was thinking about the healthy food, I was still thinking about it and being aware of what I couldn't, couldn't have and guilting myself if I did sneak or if I did have, like I just had some peppermint bark before we started because it was good and I wanted it. So it's like that constant food noise is hard to break away. And I think that's the addiction cycle when it comes to eating and unhealthy habits that I don't think people talk about as much. Yeah. I mean, I, I tracked my food for like 10, 15 years, every single day. It was very damaging. And I didn't know until I finally let it go. Um, And that's probably only really been in the last three years. And it was so obsessive. I was constantly planning, but I also was terrible at food prep. So it was that much worse because I, then I had to coordinate and figure out what am I doing for lunch? What am I doing? It was a never ending conversation inside my head about food. And now I don't track my food. I kind of eat whatever I want. Luckily for me, I want healthy food. Um, doesn't mean I eat healthy all the time and don't still have, you know, cookies and cake when I want it. And it, it just really depends. But for me, I'm in the best shape of my life for multiple reasons. And I found the combination of things that makes me feel healthy, is not obsessive. And so for me, I only track protein. I only think about protein and I don't even track it to the like specific gram. It's more like, I know I got at least this much and everything over and above is, you know, right. Okay. It's not, I'm not taking it that seriously. Mm-hmm. But enough to say, I know I need this much protein because I'm working out really hard. And if I want to burn fat and build muscle, because I have strength goals for myself, not necessarily weight loss goals, then I, you know, I need to provide my body with what it needs to do that. But other than that, it's, I really don't know how many calories I eat in a day. I, I don't care. It's not impacting my body anymore. 
like it was before because I've changed multiple things in the way that I, I treat my body. But the the food noise comment really resonated with me because that was just, I mean, it's a long time to have, to track your food, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And when I didn't, I would go back and sit and have to calculate and go back and be like, okay. And then I would think about, oh, I ate this much, meaning I need to burn more calories tomorrow. That's just such a toxic mindset. And having a daughter, I feel like for me has heightened the attention I give to my self-talk and the way I project about food, weight, all of these things, because I want to protect her from the kind of the dangerous mindsets I grew up with as best as I can so that she knows that what I did was not normal, right? Now is, you know, talking positively about your body, having healthy relationships at food. You can have a cookie every day. You can have, you can have all these things every day within reason, right? You can, you can really let go of some of those heavy, arbitrary rules that society puts in place for how we should eat if we want to be absolutely healthy. And at the end of the day, your your mental health has to be at the strongest level possible for everything below to come into play, right? Your physical, um, your relationship health, all of these things. If your mental health's there and and how you your relationship with food is I I just think that a lot of um females and I I actually think it's heavy to female athletes as well, depending largely what sport you play. Um, our relationship with food and weight is I think one of the unhealthiest, at least when I talk to a lot of my friends that are all kind of I'm I'm kind of talking like you know, 30, kind of like 33 to 40 range right now, because those are the people that I'm most closest with as far as athletes go, like similar relationships with food. And that's just how we grew up. And now we're having to work really hard to reverse those mindsets. So what are your goals, your plans, anything exciting for 2024 that you want to share? Um, I would say... I, I would say for my family and work and just life, I want to be more present, more in the moment um, and just appreciate. I think when you and, and my kids are starting to get to the age of sports and um, which I love and I'm so excited for them, but being just appreciating their game at that moment, appreciating them being in the in the um in the practice and turning and doing things where I'm putting my phone down, I'm picking up a book a little bit more. I've been reading a lot more. So I would say just being more present and just laughing a little bit more. I think just with the kids and having a good time, I think physically I am kind of on the same line with you in terms of being strong. Like I've lost this weight, but now I just want to be strong. Like I want to be buff. Like I want to be able to look strong. Um, and feel strong because I've worked hard and I've done the right things for my body that I feel really strong. Um, so those are the two big things I feel like just being in control, allow uh, the most we can be in control of ourselves. But I think those are two things is being present and being just stronger. And mm -hmm. I think yes, physically, but also I think being present will allow me to be more mentally stronger 
um, with aspects of my life for my family is most important to me right now. Yeah. I hear you on the phone. I, that is my number one commitment for this upcoming year. I'm starting it now, but it's really my mindset focus is to be more comfortable having my phone in a different room, let alone not in my hand, right? Just just kind of separating myself from constantly having to be connected, especially when I'm at home with my family, with the with the people that I'm most concerned about on a regular basis um, so that I can be a little bit more present when I'm playing with my daughter or spending time with my husband. I think I, I've made this commitment in different ways multiple times throughout the year. And I just feel like I'm kind of half-assing it. And I know that that can impact so many other experiences if I can just separate myself. So it's that. And for me, it's getting outside even more this time of year when it's dark earlier and it's a little bit colder, it's always harder, but I still want to make sure that I'm getting outside a lot. I always feel better when I'm outside more. And I know that for Belly, my daughter, she has so much fun being outside. She's a climber. She likes to do all these things. And so I just want to keep her um, curiosity alive for all things being outside so that she um, enjoys that in the future, whatever that means. So those are two of mine, um, which is somewhat similar, kind of just being present and having fun. I mean, I know that I've had more fun since becoming a mom than I had in the years before because you laugh more, you're acting like a kid more. And I just want to play that up for myself more in 2024 because my job is serious. I have a lot of serious conversations, got clients going through serious stuff. And when I'm not in it, I want to just be a little bit more silly and be okay with being more silly in front of everybody, not just my family and my daughter, but just letting a lot of that go, that stiffness that we get when we get older sometimes. So those are my goals for 2024. I love that for you, Chell. I love that. I love mom Chels. And mom, mom Chels, she's pretty cool. It. I, I think I I think I put a little bit too much um I don't know, emphasis is the right word attention but like i hope my daughter thinks i'm cool i think i'm cool like i think i'm fun we'll teach her that you're cool (laughs) yeah like is like i remember the point where i thought my mom wasn't cool obviously i think she's really cool now but there's all if my daughter gonna think i'm not cool at some point in her life yeah that's brutal man yeah they they definitely will um your mom is the coolest like I know her dance moves. I love them. And oh, Rick, oh, Cindy, the best. I, I know. <laughs> well, um, I'm so thankful we got to sit down. Not only because I miss you, I love you, and I love catching up, but I really appreciate you being candid and sharing, um, you know, your journey and what you're going through. And I can't wait to see, you know, where you go from here. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Like it's just, yeah, it's it's so easy to say oh, this is so long overdue and we haven't, you know, we need to catch up. But I mean, the reality is we're literally on different coasts. So it's hard. It's really hard. But I... Hey, we made it happen. We did. We absolutely freaking did. And I'm proud of us. All right. Well, I love you. Love Talk you. soon. All right. Bye.